0: Back. Just like I said, we'd be back. This is for the Glory KC, where we bring a mix of in-depth Kansas City soccer knowledge and a more casual perspective. I'm Chad Smith, Associate Editor at KCSoccerJournal.com. Take you a little more in-depth. I'm joined as always by my wife, once again no nickname, Sheena, who gives us a more casual perspective. No nickname because no winning. Sheena, what's up?
1: Hey Chad, not much.
0: You sound about as excited as I feel from this bad week of Sporting KC soccer. (laughs) On today's show, we're going to talk about Sporting KC blowing another lead against Real Salt Lake, then losing to Austin FC on the road. Whoa, yay. Uh, Then we got some media game conversation. We won. Uh, Messi is officially coming to Miami. And of course, the digital crawl, y'all. But what? has been consuming your life, Sheena, because as much as soccer consumes mine, I know your mind has been elsewhere.
1: It has. I have been busy preparing the final details of our vacation coming up. This is the most critical vacation I've ever gone on because Chad said, if there's any mistakes or something goes wrong, I can never go on another vacation. So. It's true. I did,
0: I did say that. <laughs>
1: I, I feel like that's so unfair to me because I can't control every factor.
0: I'm not an unreasonable person. It said somewhat in jest, but at the same time to somewhat motivate you to like, sometimes we'll go on trips and we'll get to places and I'm like, what are we doing in this place? Oh, I have no idea. That's oh.
1: not true. I have a general idea. I just don't <laughs> have like on Tuesday, we're doing this on Wednesday. I just have a general idea of like I want to do X, Y, and Z, and I kind of pick um, our events based on how the the family is feeling. So now we have a very strict agenda, and I guess I don't care how the family is feeling or what the family wants to do.
0: Yeah, that seems like a reasonable plan. Let's just do it and, and hit it hard and enjoy New Zealand. Two weeks. Oh my gosh, it's, I'm going to be homesick like a week in, guaranteed. <laughs>
1: it'll be fun though. We're going to do a lot of cool things. And I just have a few decisions that we need to come together as a family and make today so I can book the final things while we're in Fiji, which I don't think we've ever mentioned that we're going to Fiji before we go to New Zealand. So that should be pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. I mean, we managed to pull it off for the same cost as flying all the way to New Zealand. Might as well stop in a interesting island and, you know, experience something else should be fun hopefully
1: yeah yep. and then I can start planning the next trip
0: oh like you've even been waiting she's always asking <laughs> me what can we do this can we do that and I'm like let's just go on this <laughs> massive biggest most expensive trip in our lives before we go to another plan another one okay let's take a let's take a couple breaths we're not taking another vacation until 2026 anyways I'm pretty sure so
1: that's no we're gonna go somewhere next year are you kidding me
0: uh, yeah I am kidding a little bit because I know that I'll never win that battle all right let's talk soccer. <laughs> Uh, Sporting KC, we're going to go chronological this week. So they, they drew Real Salt Lake 2-2 on Wednesday. It started off really good, really good. Daniel Shallowy and Johnny Russell both scored for the first time in a very long time to put the team up 2-0. This was Shallowy's first goal since May 17th against LAFC. My gosh, that's a while. That's two months ago. And then Johnny Russell had last scored May 31st against FC Dallas. So pretty good start to the game. Then it all started to slip away Uh, right out of the second half. uh, The team was apparently still at halftime. They forgot to play. Actually, they had a promising attack and then shall tried to play this little pass to Remy and they both just kind of stood there. I'm I'm blaming that on exhaustion and they were immediately countered and a goal was given up. Uh, Jake Davis appeared to keep Danny Masofsky online and Chicho Arango made the assist on the goal. Then, it really got out of hand. But what were you feeling about the game before? Just, you know, general thoughts. You were experiencing a lot of this game alone in the South Stand while I was running around the bowels of Children's Mercy Park uh, doing media game stuff.
1: Yeah. So we were at the game, which was, I was excited. Our kiddo was in a bad mood. So that was kind of a bummer. But I... Was in the South Stand and shout out to the kids behind me who loved Johnny Russell and drove me crazy. But I love their enthusiasm uh, with all their Johnny Russell chants. And after he came off sometime in the second half, they're like, Johnny Russell would have got that or Johnny Russell would have scored. I was pretty amused by them and annoyed. But yeah, Yeah,
0: I I found them a little annoying. I didn't find it in their enthusiasm. It just seemed like they were just saying Johnny Russell, like, is this the only player they know, which is fine. You got to start somewhere. You got only, you know, you can't know everybody right away, but. Yeah, I don't think Johnny Russell would have had it because, you know, there's a reason uh, he hadn't scored a goal since May 31st until that night.
1: Yeah, it was exciting to see Johnny Russell and Shaloui have a goal. It's been a minute since they've had him. What's funny is that Chad was watching the game with me until about the 20th minute. And then both of the goals were scored while he was getting ready for the media game and then when he came back they had already uh Salt Lake had scored so i have to say you like to make excuses i think you're the reason that sporting lost when you weren't watching they were winning
0: it's true they lost 0 to 1 the time i was paying attention <laughs> but but i will not take the blame it is not I'm my fault kidding. as you as you always say and if you're wondering Chad, are you analyzing a game you didn't watch? No, I'm a sicko. As soon as we got home from the game, I rewatched it because I had missed so much of it in the middle dealing with going to the media game, which we'll get to that more in a bit.
1: And I watched like I would say a good seventy minutes of a game I was just at, and I didn't miss any of it. So So who's the sicko, really? Who's the sicko now? I don't know that I'm the casual fan I once was.
0: Uh, I don't know. I Remember I when you didn't am. know Precky last week, sporting <laughs> <Hell> legend yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Precky? Yeah. And, and then I heard his he name mention- yesterday. <laughs> yeah, he was mentioned on the broadcast on the Austin game, and she was like, oh, I've heard of that guy. And I was like, I taught you about that guy. <laughs> I think you were joking, but I couldn't tell.
1: I was, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I can't tell if it's just like, have you really genuinely forgotten again because you don't have (laughs) any space in your brain for that information or are you just trying to make a joke and you were so deadpan? I, I didn't get it.
1: Yeah, I was deadpan. It's like, I could understand that if we think back to when we first started this podcast and I cannot remember Courtney Ford to save my life. So I could see that like stacks out that you wouldn't, you'd be questioning it.
0: Yeah, let's talk about the uh, the controversial play of the night. This by no means is like the reason that Sporting lost, but it is the reason that RSL got their second goal. So a lot of consternation has been had about this play, but Anderson Julio collides with Danny Rosero and wins the ball off of him, goes down, immediately scores. Rosero obviously should have made a pass. He had both Remy Voltaire, who was covering kind of the right back space. Jake Davis was up the field and he had Kendall McIntosh behind him. And instead he tries to make like a slick little move and he gets knocked down live during the game. I felt in the moment, Oh, this is a foul. And they're, yeah, the ref didn't see it right away, but he's going to go back and the VAR is going to tell him to go back and they're going to overturn it. And then when they blew the whistle and pointed at the spot to restart play, I was just stunned in the stadium. What was your initial thoughts on that? Uh- Non foul, I guess.
1: Well, I don't know enough about like the technical stuff to be like, oh, that was a foul or not Weren't a foul. You just
0: pitch it to me how you're pretty hardcore, just well, like two seconds I mean, ago. And <laughs> okay,
1: continue,
0: continue, continue.
1: I'm not, but yeah, so I don't know, and it was on the other side of the field, so I really couldn't see. But everyone in the stadium was livid about it. And this, I believe, was the same crew of officials that got a play wrong in the New York game. Is that right?
0: Yeah, they had incorrectly used VAR to overturn a goal that the New England Revolution scored against the New York Red Bulls, and they'd been reprimanded by pro in between the Sunday game and the, and the Wednesday game, but then they still were the officials of a Wednesday game. It's, it's insane to me that you can blow a call that literally cost the team the game and then be put out there again. Days later.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. So that was kind of in the back of my mind because I'm pretty sure I knew before the game that it was the same officiating crew as that previous game that we were just talking about. But yeah, I mean, the the whole stadium was a livid. There was booing. I think the whole stadium was chanting you suck rough or something like that. I was very passionate and in the moment, and I was doing it too. And I don't know looking back if that was the right call or not hard to say. Cause I don't, I just can't, unless it's very obvious. I really can't tell what, what is like a foul and what's not a foul.
0: Yeah. So I know that live in the moment, I thought, Oh, okay. It's a foul. And then they showed like a slow-mo replay on the brought in the stadium, like on the big screen. And it still looked like a foul to me. And I was like, okay, but then I'm looking online, like within minutes of it happening and there's not a lot of people upset. So I was wondering like, Maybe there was an angle on the broadcast that I couldn't see that makes it look like it's not a foul because people are not very upset about it. And then I watched the broadcast and it still looked like a foul to me. (laughs) Uh, And then what made it even more look even worse to me was slowing it down. Uh, One of the accounts that follows us, and actually we follow them too. I think it's like SKC Nation. I'm I'm getting it wrong, but you can go to kcsoccerjournal.com. I wrote an article and I used their tweet that they did a slow-mo of it and Anderson Julio, he comes into the back of Rosero. So like he gets him in like kind of the upper back shoulder blade area with his forearms. And people say, oh, he's just bracing for the contact. But he's bracing for the contact that he's making. And it's in the back of the player. Everybody on the internet kept saying, well, not everybody. The people that think it's (laughs) not a foul kept saying it's shoulder to shoulder. But it's literally like the front of his shoulder slash forearms and arms to the back, like the shoulder blades. I've always thought shoulder to shoulder, and I don't know if you've heard this expression, Sheena, is like the side of your shoulder to the side of their shoulder. Like you're getting next to them and kind of bodying them off the ball. Are you familiar with the expression shoulder to shoulder?
1: I've heard of it.
0: So, okay. Anyways, it keeps going on. The internet kind of weighs in on it. There's definitely a lot of people that think it's a foul. I I wrote a whole article about it. The comments overwhelmingly seem to think it's not a foul too, which is – I just don't get it. It's insane to me because – First off, he gets him in the back. Second, he hits the man before he hits the ball. It is like split second, bang, bang, but he gets the man first, clearly. And then the last thing is, even if you get the ball, if you go crashing through the player after you get the ball, is that not a foul? Like, we've seen that called a foul tons of times. And it seems to be everybody's kind of saying, oh, if they're sliding, if they're sliding and they get the ball and then the man that's a foul. But when you're using your body, that's on Rosero for not positioning himself well, not being strong enough and stout enough. I just think it's garbage. I just don't understand how it's not a foul. And it obviously goes on to be a huge part of the game because they score off of it. What it feels like to me is that people are mad at Sporting Casey. They're mad at Peter Vermees. So they're just like, oh, this is just him complaining about refs and he's got nothing to complain about. I think this was legitimately a bad call, despite what some people are saying online. Well, what's really got me, Sheen, I think I told you this, is like a lot of people were both insulting me and other people who thought it was a foul saying that we're we're soft. We've never played soccer. My favorite one was uh, somebody called me a virgin. I must be a virgin if I think that's a foul. and <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with it, but I'll have you know, sir, I have one child, so I've had sex at least one time. There you go. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know the correlation between your opinions on this play and how that makes you a virgin but what do i know
0: <laughs> yeah anyways I'll, I'll let it go any other final thoughts on it? i think it's a blown call i think it's a terrible call and i think we've seen way softer calls than that called all the time everybody on the weekend game against austin every time somebody would push somebody from behind and they'd go down they're like oh that is a foul today okay good to know good to know <laughs> like yeah. i was seeing that all the time on twitter so uh, but any other thoughts from you sheena
1: just about the the rest of the game or that play. Well, that
0: or, or the foul. You can talk about whatever you want. This is your podcast, too.
1: Oh, no, I'm just I'm here to be a good wife. This is your podcast.
0: Oh, come on. You're my co-host. Uh, just because I'm the <laughs> like the main talker person doesn't mean you don't have, your opinions don't matter. You're, they do.
1: Uh, I have a side story that I need to tell you real quick while I think about it. Okay. Uh, My friend in a group chat today asked what podcast everyone is listening to. And my other friend said, my favorite is For the Glory, KC, which really got me. And I was so embarrassed. So Melanie, if you're still listening, hey. I don't know that you listen this far into it.
0: She just likes our banter at the beginning and then turns it off. (laughs) All right. Well, let's move on. Let's talk about some other stuff. So um, actually, I think that uh, Kendall McIntosh, we've been picking on him a lot, and he definitely has some moments in the Austin game that we're going to get talking to in a bit. But I thought he came up really big against RSL. He made several quite a big, quite a. Oh my gosh, that's the words are tough right now for me. Uh, <laughs> quite large saves, we'll say. <laughs> he made some big plays. In uh, the 89th minute, is the biggest one I'm thinking of. Uh, Remy gives the ball away, and Fontes and Rodoy are way up the field, and he comes out like one on one. It might have been Anderson Julio again. I can't remember. And he makes like a kick save on it. And RSL would have won the game if that had gone in because sporting did not look dangerous, like they were going to score again.
1: They didn't look dangerous. And I don't. I might be misremembering, but I don't even remember really any good opportunities that sporting had in the second half. I could be wrong. A lot has happened.
0: that is a good transition point because I wrote down oh. a couple couple of moments here. So okay. uh, actually, maybe just one moment. <laughs> so that's not that's good. Kinda... Uh, in the sixty third minute, I wrote down Gotti kind of with a beautiful switch to Davis, who makes a great run and cuts the ball back to Shallowy in the box. You'll remember maybe that he was like right inside, like on the edge of the six yard box, but he just couldn't get the ball out of his feet. They're like trapped oh, under yeah. his feet, and he can't quite get his shot off. And then right after that, uh, Marino's Johnny's gets like knocked down, but like not really like he was like wanting a penalty kick, but to me it didn't look like a penalty, but that was all the same sequence. So kind of a double ish chance in that little moment, even though I don't know that they officially got off any shots in that section of play.
1: Okay. You know, the one thing I noticed um, on the game on Wednesday, and then I noticed, I really noticed it Wednesday because I was there in person. And then I noticed it again last night is that there was a lot of times during the RSL game where Jake Davis was open and they just did not pass to him. Like, instead, they would pass to a player who had at least one other person defending them, if not two. So, I really feel like it's a missed opportunity. And maybe it's because they don't trust him because he's a young guy and that's not his like natural position. But My thing is that if somebody is open and they're not being covered in the slightest, like, why wouldn't you pass to them? I like couldn't get past that when I was at the game on Wednesday.
0: I agree with you, both in that game and in the Austin game. There was many times Danny Rizzaro in particular was the guy that had the pass to him and he just wouldn't, he wouldn't do it. He'd turn it back and he'd give it to Fontes or he'd play it into the midfield where if you don't hit it perfect, then you're going to have a turnover and they're coming at you the other direction. To me too, the way sporting plays they're trying to wear teams out by kind of passing the ball around the back of the defense and sometimes including the defensive midfielders. So that kind of side to side motion where you make the team run around. I know a lot of fans hate it and it it can be really boring at times. Don't get me wrong, but it can wear another team out, especially when temperatures are as hot as they were. I'm with you. I, I don't know what that's about.
1: I don't get it. And I think that maybe that's part of the issue on why we can't close these games if we're making passes that are to somebody who's being covered or in the midfield and there's a turnover. Clearly, sporting have a issue right now. They're not playing very well. This was another, I think, three game stretch. And I think we came away with one or two points like yeah, two it-
0: points, two draws and a loss. In three games. And I said last, if you'll remember going into these three games, I said this might be the most important stretch for the rest of the year. And they crapped the bed. They did not do good.
1: And that's the other point about the game on Wednesday is that I think there was just one sub from the previous game on Saturday. I think they had only... I can't remember which player came in that was different, but they didn't rotate the schedule. They did it last night against Austin, but I don't feel like they made enough changes from Saturday to Wednesday.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. If I'm remembering, I want to say it was Redoya being back in the starting lineup and kind yeah. Kenda went to the bench and then Kenda came off the bench. And honestly, Kenda looked tired to me, even though he came off the bench. And I want to say like the 55th minute, give or take, he did not have as much of an impact as I want to wanted. I, I mentioned he had that one good pass, but then late on, he just looked tired. Like he looked like he didn't have the gas to run and, and the team, was so slow all night it felt like i mean that we were in the crowd so i get it was hot and i sort of sort of kind of tried to play soccer at halftime and i get it i was aghast like just walking onto the field and breathing that heavy oh humid air gosh. yeah no it's true it's true i was tired of <laughs> um the adrenaline was pumping sheena but <laughs> i thought they needed more subs they only subbed Kinda and johnny so that i think again the 55th minute nothing else though the whole night yes. why not use gutierrez why not use espinoza I wrote in the show notes, where is Felipe Hernandez? But it turns out he has a hamstring injury because, you know, that's what everybody has a hamstring injury, apparently. But they just didn't. They were so tired. They didn't look like they could get into the attack. And tired legs will do that to you.
1: I was disappointed that we didn't get to see Felipe Gutierrez. Like, that would have been a perfect time. You know, people overall seem pretty excited or okay with the fact that he's on the team, well, why not bring him in or at least bring in Roger Espinosa? Like he hasn't been in the last few games. And I'm not saying he's a difference maker, but something isn't working and there needs to be uh, an overhaul of what we're doing on a week-to-week basis. I mean, I feel like personally, it's probably similar to Casey Current with the points that they need to probably win out most of the games from here on out, right?
0: Yeah, they don't technically need to win out but to, because we don't know what the results around them are going to be, but they need a lot yeah. of results. I'm actually going to sit down and do the math on it and write an article for the KC Soccer Journal in the coming days before we get out of the country. So I'll do that because we got a long break until MLS Play restarts. The Leagues Cup will be filling in for this next couple of weeks. I wanted to mention uh, another thing about that game since we're kind of talking about the results. I agree with you, Espinoza. Why not get that guy in the game? Because he I think he has sometimes been a difference maker. He can be a spark and then let Remy rest. Why does Remy have to play yes. every minute of every game? Like he looks tired. And I thought he looked bad against RSL and it looked like he wore down pretty quick to me against Austin. He's doing some of that running where it's like he's running nowhere with no point, And I think part of that's fatigue. You know, you fatigue is both when you're physically fatigued you can mentally not think to make the right plays. I can tell you, I was physically fatigued in my media (laughs) game. And I was like, why wasn't I sprinting in some of these moments when I looked back and watched the videos? So it was bad. It was bad.
1: And I love Remy. I think everyone knows my love for Remy. But yeah, he didn't look good against Austin. And he wasn't great against RSL. And everyone on this team needs to rest at some point. I don't understand why he's not getting that fair share of resting. Like they even said on the broadcast last night that he's played the most minutes this season for sporting. And I think overall he's great, but the fatigue I think is adding up and that's completely understandable.
0: Yep. It is hard to not notice that things don't look right. Somebody asked me online uh, before we recorded this, you know, do I have any hope for the rest of the season? I said, I actually think this team is pretty good when they have a full week's rest, but I haven't looked at the schedule to know where the schedule congestion exists, but if it's congested, they're not going to be good is basically what I've come down on. It's like the, the only week that they had a good week while it was congested was the week where they got blown out by St. Louis on the Saturday at the end of a three game week, but they won the other two games. So it was like still a pretty good week. You get six points in a week. That's that's pretty good results. So I, I think they're capable of beating anybody when they're, physically fit, they're not exhausted and they're, you know, mostly healthy. But then if they make the playoffs, if they squeak into the playoffs, usually the playoffs have like a mid-game week when there's like play-in games and extra nonsense like this. So if they have to play multiple games in a week, they're going to be screwed even if they do get into those early that early round of the playoffs or the play-in game.
1: I agree. I also think that <sighs> I lost my train of thought.
0: You think that you lost your train of thought. Okay. No, here, I it.
1: did lose my train of thought. <laughs> I did. Right. I like didn't want to interrupt you to get my really important point out, but and I should have just like wrote it down.
0: Yeah, okay. okay. Well, well if you think of it. Brit, leave this okay. all in, leave it on all this extra nonsense. Okay. I have a couple other little thoughts from the game and then we can move on. Um, I wanted to talk more about the ref because, you know, I love crapping on refs. Uh, Rubio Vasquez is the referee, by the way. And in the 67th minute, you may remember Chicho Arango got a yellow card for tackling Gotti Kinda late. And then we looked at the replay and we're like, oh no, when we got home and we watched it on the broadcast in the stadium, I thought it was a good call. He doesn't touch him. Uh, Kinda actually ends up getting fined for simulation on that play and Arango gets his yellow card rescinded. So blown call there. And then in the 86th minute, Chicho Arango, same guy, he was just tearing us up when he came on as a second half sub. He's the player they paid $6 million to go get from from Mexico. Uh, Anyways, he gets just kicked. The crap gets kicked out of him by Tim Leibold right outside of the box. It would have been a really dangerous challenge. Ref doesn't even call a foul. Should have probably been a yellow card. So not not a good night from the ref, so I guess I feel a little better that not only did he screw us with the Rosero non call, but he screwed RSL with some a yellow that was given that shouldn't have been, and a yellow that wasn't given that should have been. So everybody gets screwed when the refereeing is bad. Um, I have one more thing I wanted to mention, Sheena. So it was hot and humid in the stands, and I was trying to like do chance. I'm so used to sitting in the call room when we go to games. I was a little. Bummed out about the south stand. Like, I'll admit, it was miserably hot. But like, I would stand up and try to yell and chant, and like, no one would join me. And like, people were even kind of like looking at me, like, "Why are you chanting?" I'm like, "I, I'm a." The atmosphere is not good, and I don't know if it's just because people are sick of Vermese and they're sick of this team's performance. But I feel like if the crowd is going to be there, which admittedly it was not a packed house, then they have to do their part to lift people up and. Maybe that's just me not going to every game as a fan and not cheering for 90 minutes every game because I'm sitting in the press box where I'm not allowed to cheer at all in most situations, but I would like to see more. I don't know. Did you have thoughts on on the crowd?
1: I would say I've sat in the South Stand a good amount of times since we've moved back. I don't, I mean, definitely if you want a better atmosphere, you go sit in the cauldron because they're mostly chanting the whole time. South Stand basically, I feel like only does the sporting, where and then the KC. They say the KC part. So I, I don't know. I thought maybe because it's more family friendly, it's a little bit more quieter because there's younger kids there. I don't know what the atmosphere is supposed to be for the South Stand. I, it's tough. I want it to be an atmosphere like I think of when we've gone to LAFC, for example. The whole crowd. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you're sitting like the whole crowd is chanting and like in my head that's what I feel like it should be and that's never been my experience even when we would come and visit before we lived here we would sit like in the middle of the field and they only get excited when somebody scores it's always felt like to me the cauldron is the one doing the chanting but i don't feel like it's ever been a stadium wide experience where everyone is doing it and and maybe it used to be that way i think we went to our first sporting game in 2015 at children's mercy so maybe before that that was the vibe but it i leave the i think the chanting is like exclusively in the cauldron and then you get like the one offs like who want to chant like you were but i don't think i i don't know
0: yeah, no, I think that's somewhat fair. I do think that it definitely used to be better. I will say the cauldron was as empty as I can ever remember seeing it, too. Obviously, midweek games in the miserable summer heat like is probably never going to bring as many people out. Weird that they didn't want to all come out and watch me embarrass myself at the media game. I thought that would really be a draw for people. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. She's shaking her head at me. but. I have noticed when you sit in the east or the west stands, it doesn't feel as energetic. Now, it's an intelligent crowd. They know what they're watching. They cheer when they're supposed to cheer. They boo when they're supposed to boo. They even cheer, oh, you forced to throw in because you hustled and you defended really well, like that stuff. But maybe we, we keep an eye on it and we see. There is a dedicated section of the sound stand that's pretty loud, but we were sitting way up high and we're probably in the people that don't come all the time. I like to sit high just so I can see the game better. And yeah, I don't know. It was a, it was a tough night, and, but it was honestly a pretty exciting game in its moments. You know, watching the broadcast back, the broadcasters loved the game. They're like, this is great. If you're a neutral, this is a great game for you. There was a, it was slow at times, but you know, two goals for each team. It's not like nothing happened in the game.
1: Yeah, you know there. This uh, talking about atmosphere. I don't know if you saw. I retweeted this. I think where there was somebody who rated all the stadiums' atmosphere in MLS, and LAFC had the best experience. They had it based on different levels. It looks like there's six different levels, and Sporting Kansas City is under the quiet level which is like the second to bottom. Yeah, and I don't know that I agree with that. Like My argument was that they had LA Galaxy in a solid atmosphere, and I haven't – I mean, we've been to their stadium a few times, and I feel like it's no different than when we went to the Colorado Rapids, which they said is like a library because it's so quiet. I don't know that I agreed with that either,
0: but – I I saw that chart and it felt like Dallas was above sporting too. And I was like, Dallas sucked. They didn't even know what was going on. They like didn't even, couldn't even get their team name right during the chance. Like, come on. I forgot
1: about that. I
0: I think it could be a recency bias. If the person that made that chart has only watched the last year or two, I definitely think it's probably worse than it was. And the team's been bad. So, you know, it's, it's hard to show your full support the whole time, you know, Whenever things aren't going the way you would hope they would go.
1: Yeah, but it made me want to go like, well, I've been wanting to go to a Portland game. They were right, like pretty high up on there. Austin, they look like they had a great atmosphere last night um, when we were watching the game. Atlanta was pretty high, so...
0: Yeah, and I agree with all those. I think they all seem to have really good atmospheres. St. Louis is off to a hot start with an atmosphere. Cincinnati, even when they were a terrible team, they seem to have a pretty solid atmosphere, in my opinion. So, And now they're the best team in the league by a margin. Oh, great. Can't wait to play them in the league's cup. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the other thing that happened on Wednesday. The media game. Team oh, Indigo yeah. won three to one. That was my team, y'all. Uh, pretty, pretty epic performance by Team Indigo, uh, aided in almost no part by myself. Uh, but I, I had some moments, had some moments. We scored, uh, three goals unanswered to start the game, which was pretty nice pretty early on uh daniel sperry basically like everybody i knew was playing on the other team like i know some of these other media people but like they're not there on a consistent basis i don't fraternize with them like it's like they're they're like tv people and we're just like scummy internet newspaper people <laughs> so no i'm just kidding everybody's super friendly to me no one's ever been like oh you just have a website i don't even know why you're here <laughs> so everybody's been very respectful, but. I decided, I was like, I'm going to make sure that Daniel Sperry does not score in this game. Cause he said, he's going to come at me and kind of get me. And I was like, all right, all right. So pretty early on, he dribbled right past me and made a pretty good play. And then he dribbles past a few other guys. And then I recovered. I caught him on the play and I poked the ball out for a corner kick. That was pretty much my only moment of glory. It was a very awkward kick too. I, it felt awkward in the moment. And then watching it back on the video, it even looks really awkward. Like I use like the weird part of my right foot when I probably should have used my left foot. I'm just so right footed. It's insane. But Sperry fell to the ground because my challenge was so he was like so defeated from having dribbled so many people and me shutting it down. So that was my high moment. Uh, Sheena, what were your uh, thoughts about the media game?
1: I only saw what was happening in the south stand side of the field, so that's
0: where my I, team was scoring all their goals.
1: Yeah, so I, I don't even remember the media game honestly. I was just trying to take a video, and I'd have to go back and watch it. My one of my favorite weather guys, Neville, was there um, from KMBC. So that was pretty exciting. I rode in the
0: elevator with Neville and I think the other girl's name is Peyton from the the TV. And I think she might be a KMBC person as well. She was on my team. Neville was on the other team. But he was fit, man. He was running all over the place doing things. Yeah.
1: Uh, the, some of the people on your team that scored they had just had really good form. I remember that, like they had like really professional looking kicks.
0: Yes. Uh, I, fir- I think it was some of the guys from Telemundo were just really good at soccer. Yeah. <laughs> and they, we had a, like, uh, Aaron Ladd, uh, who's also on TV. I think he's maybe... Fox four, I can't remember. I think he Sorry, is. Aaron. Yeah,
1: I think he yeah. was on. He was playing goalie, right?
0: Yes, yes. He had a handball outside the box, which led to that free kick for the first goal. And then, honestly, we had so many chances. We sh- should have scored so many goals. Shout out to my website colleague Jimmy Mack, who broke up a ton of plays. Like he might have been their MVP. He shut down a ton of attacks. He had a really good header where the ball like flew way oh, up in yeah. the air, and he really focused and headed the ball. So, shout out to Jimmy. I thought he played well. And, uh, I, I think I was so like the adrenaline was rushing so much and you're like kind of nervous to be out there. And like I, so, somebody said, don't go make a sprint. As soon as you get out there, you'll be exhausted. So I was like conscious of it. And then I was like, I don't think I ever sprinted ever. Like I was so worried about sprinting and running out of gas that I, I never sprinted. Uh, there was one other play that I feel compelled to talk about. And then I think that only I care about this and probably none of you is uh Sperry got his revenge on me a little later. Uh, he nutmegged me <laughs> like towards the end of the game, right through the legs. There's a really good series of photos as, of me being nutmeg, but I chose to only post the one right before the nutmeg where I'm like squared up and I'm like towering over Daniel. Like I am taller than him, but like, I look like a giant next to him. <laughs> it's crazy. So I'm 6'2", for those of you that uh, can't tell from internet photos. And yeah, I, this has motivated me, though, Sheena. I'm going to work out harder. I heard the Currents media game is in September, so we'll be back from our trip. And my goal is to be less embarrassing. But hey, I won. <laughs> so that's that's where we're at. Uh, less embarrassing. That's That's a reasonable goal, right?
1: Yeah, it definitely is.
0: All right. Any other media game thoughts before we move on?
1: Nope, I'm good.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll leave this one last thought. and You all can post in the comments or on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, uh, Instagram. And I want Sheena to do commentary with me. We have the audio of the game. I want to be the play-by-play person. She can be my color commentator. And we put dub our audio over the top of the game and put it out on YouTube. So if you think that we should do that, Go ahead and respond to us at for the Glory Casey Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and let us know. We're threads. I think we have that name on Threads too. I'll have to remember to check my threads account. All right. Let's so, take a break.
1: I don't know what threads is. I'll give and you
0: the login. I- Actually, the login is the Instagram login. So you already have it. There you go.
1: I thought that you were going to have people say, like, try to convince me to play in a media game. Oh,
0: that's my other idea. So if you think Sheena should play in the KC Current version of this media game, then also say that because Sheena always tells me when we're practicing soccer with our daughter, she's like, I've never played soccer in my life. And I'm like, you've been saying that since our daughter was four, which was seven years ago. You've played with her. You've kicked the ball around with her. Yes, yes. None of us are none of us are any good. I mean, our daughter is probably better than both of us if she was bigger and faster. You know, like the only way I can beat her is to just use my size, because I'm not, I'm not better. I'm just, oh pretty soon she'll be making me, like, dribbling around me and making me fall on my face and nutmegging me just like Sperry. She is always trying to nutmeg me, but I'm like ready for it. I don't know why I wasn't ready for it with Sperry. I should have just went into his challenge hard, but nobody had shin cards on, you know, I don't want to get hurt or anything.
1: I will not be playing in a media game. I am not the media. I'm just a really good wife. So I I don't care if everybody who listens to this wants me to play. (laughs) There is a, not a scenario I would play a media game. I would interview a player, etc.
0: Oh, yeah. I've been pushing for interviews, too. Well, we're going to get to those things. So let's somebody think of a good hashtag for Sheena. And we're going to get that hashtag trending like Sheena in the media game or Sheena, Sheena plays soccer or something like
1: that. It's not happening.
0: All right. We'll if see. We'll wasted see.
1: energy. Wasted energy.
0: Waste your energy, people. All right. Let's take a break and we'll come back with more For the Glory KC. And we are back. All right, let's talk about that other Sporting KC game. We alluded to it a few times already. They went to Austin, lost 2-1 to one, uh, early goals by Austin. I think they scored twice in the first 20 minutes. I was making the video for my Twitter account of the first goal, and before it had even uploaded and sent, the second goal had been scored. So pretty awful start, pretty soft goals. Uh, After the game, Vermees said they were, quote, routine situations, and he also said that he was disappointed in the defense. Uh, But he keeps playing the same defenders, particularly the same center backs. I thought that both Andreu Fontes and Danny Rosero didn't look good, both kind of walking at times, losing their markers, not doing a good job clearing the ball. Uh, what do you think on the two goals that Austin scored?
1: I agree somewhat with Peter Vermees that it, the defending wasn't great, but then McIntosh wasn't great either. The, I don't know if it was both goals, but one of them for sure that I'm thinking of, McIntosh should have saved And I I think both
0: there's an argument for both, because if you remember the first one, the ball, I think it's Zardes heads the ball down into it. It's not it's not got a lot of pace on it, but he spills it. And then the second goal, he dives for it and he gets a hand on it, but it still goes in the net. So he just didn't didn't place it well. I thought the first one was more savable than the second one. But I thought, I mean, honestly, Vermees said the shot stopping wasn't good enough. And he mentioned the second goal specifically. So maybe, you know, he probably knows more about soccer than me.
1: Yeah, I would imagine seeing as you're not an MLS coach and he is. But yeah, I what and of course, like the defenders, they're probably exhausted because I think Rosero played in all three games, right?
0: Yeah, I think Fontes, too, if I'm not mistaken, no changes to either of those guys. And I I, I get that Castellanos came on and made a mistake. We didn't even mention that where he fell down. And when he was trying to head and clear the ball. Oh, that was the Houston game. Oh, that was two games ago. Oh man, my brain is just turning to mush. And but now he's probably in the doghouse. Probably won't see him again just because he slipped on the the wet field in Houston.
1: It is ridiculous how these players get in the doghouse because honestly at this point, Macintosh should not be the starter. And it's not because of last night's game. It's an accumulation of all these games where he gives up to me goals that feel like they are more saveable. He he has some great saves in every game too, but he gives up the easy goals and I don't feel like he's good outside of punching. Like he doesn't feel confident with you're laughing cuz I of course mentioned the punching, but it doesn't feel like he is confident catching the ball. It doesn't feel like he looks confident kicking the ball away. Like he has a lot of to me it appears, a lot of insecurities about his abilities outside of the punching. He's very confident with the punching. And But it honestly, just,
0: he's not even that good at punching. He like well, I mean, think of how many balls he spills in front of the goal, right? Like yeah. he either needs to catch them or punch them hard enough to where they fly away. Like even if you force a corner <laughs> kick or a throw or something, like don't leave them in front of the goal. Like that's what happened on the artist goal. He left it in front of the goal and you know, Zardis cleaned it up. That's what he does. He's a poacher.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I just feel like at this point, if this had been Pools Camp, we would have seen McIntosh again. So it feels like Pools Camp should be coming in. You talked to Peter Vermees last night, and it didn't seem like based on what you asked him that Pools Camp will be coming back in. I could be wrong.
0: Yeah, cuz he had mentioned that the shot stopping like I said wasn't good enough on the second goal. And then I said, "Hey, speaking of that, he's let in six goals in the last three games. Obviously, they're not all his fault. Is like you mentioned the defense is not playing well, but at what point do you go back to, you know, making a goalkeeper change?" And then he kind of defended McIntosh. So, I don't know if that's just, you know, you sticking up for your players and I'm essentially talking bad about one in the moment there. But I would hope that McIntosh would head to the bench and Pools Camp would get his chance again. If we think back to Pools Camp and his performance at the beginning of the year, I think he was pretty darn good for most of the first few games of the season. I could be just having, you know, what is it, the rose-colored glasses on where I'm only remembering the things I want to remember. The Seattle game was pretty rough, but if you'll remember, that was the one where Ben Sweat got the red card, and there were some goals that were definitely not his fault. But they gave up four of them, and then we haven't seen him in an MLS game since then. He played in the Open Cup game, and then he's been playing with the twos.
1: It's unfortunate. Like it really, I think this is the frustration that fans have: is that we see an issue. We, I think, a lot of us would rather see pools camp at this point, and Vermees is so stuck on keeping Macintosh in, and that's where I think the frustration with. Peter Vermees comes from with the fans and why they want to see him go. If we as fans can see a clear issue and he's not seeing it and he's not willing to make a chance, like a change, that falls on him every time we lose a game, and not saying Macintosh is the reason we lose every game, but he is a factor. I mean, he's the goalie, so just like we should be switching out defenders. Castellanos, he made one mistake. It doesn't mean he should be blacklisted from being able to come on the field unless there's like an injury or something. I just feel like. He gets mad about silly little plays, and then that's the end for players. And you got to make a change when things aren't going your way. Like, he has, maybe he doesn't know, but I think people are pretty fed up with this. And I was seeing on Twitter last night that, like, there's no way Peter Vermees should be able to be a coach after this game. And it's like, well, of course, he's going to keep being the coach. But it's like, I don't know, like look inside yourself and the decisions you're making and then make some changes. Because if you don't, we're not going to make the playoffs. Like we can't continue doing the same thing. That's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing. And right now, this team, it's insane to me that players aren't being switched out for different players if they're not performing. Prefer- performing well
0: yeah this is something that's frustrated me over the years and what a lot of it goes back to is that you and i are not at practice we don't get to see it maybe P- pools camps letting in everything at practice i don't know maybe be people beat him left and right and he's not that's why he's not rating him but there's something about a game versus practice too i think sometimes for me he's puts too much on practice and they do practice hard, right? And that's probably how they get all these dang hamstring injuries is they're very physical in practice. And the players have talked about it before. Vermees has talked about it before. He has that old school vibe about him where he would be hardcore. I want to address a couple of those things you said, though, like Castellanos. I honestly don't really rate him. There's a reason he was in the USL championship and that he was overseas and his team was willing to release him so he could come sign with sporting. I don't know that he's that great. I mean, you know, I, at this point, though, Fontes clearly isn't cutting it. Rizzero. I'm willing to say a little bit of that might have been exhaustion. And Pontus makes a few good plays a game where he'll like make a really good interception. Like he made that interception in the Houston game that led to a goal. He had a moment like that during the Austin game as well. Then I don't think it ended up leading to a goal, but maybe it led to the corner. I can't recall. And anyway, so I'm not sure, but doing the same thing over and over, like you said, definition of insanity. If you're expecting to get different results.
1: I feel like Fontos and McIntosh are in the same boat. They can both make some really good plays, but then they both give up really stupid plays, and those plays impact the overall game and are part of the reason we're tying or losing games.
0: Yeah, you can't let up, you can't give up two goal leads most of the times. Actually, going into that Austin game, I have a good stat for you here, Sheena. Uh, sporting had dropped points from winning positions in five of the previous eight games going back to june 3rd that's 11 points lost the most in the entire league so they were winning and they ended up either losing or tying gave up 11 points 11 points i mean that would put them so far up the standings if they had those 11 (laughs) points so it's really crushing to not see that because 11 points just to give you an idea would put them up to 37 tied for second.
1: That brings me back to the point I forgot about earlier. It just came back to me. The one thing that doesn't, that might help in the, I think they said last night on the broadcast, there's nine games left for sporting This season, the one maybe positive is that maybe we won't see as much congestion because we still have played more games than everyone else. So at some point, these other teams, granted, it's a lot closer. A lot of teams are at 24 games. We were at 25, but there was some still at 22 games. And so there's going to I have to imagine those teams that only have 22-23 games are going to have a more congested schedule. So hopefully that means we're only going to see Sporting playing one game a week and it won't be these three-game series that we've had a few times in the last couple months.
0: Yeah, I think I haven't looked at the schedule, but that has to be right because they've played 25. Several teams are at 24. A bunch are at 23 and 22. So that means hopefully lots of midweek games for those teams. And then ideally, hopefully they're playing some midweek games before they come play sporting a few times so sporting can capitalize on the weekend. In MLS, it's all about going on a run. You're right. They have nine games to go. Almost all of them are a week apart. There's only one more midweek game that I'm seeing. It's the September 16th where we go to Minnesota. Then they host Nashville on the 20th. And then they host Houston on the 23rd. Outside of that. It's a game a week, and then there's a weird two week gap before the last game of the season, probably an international break. I don't remember off the top of my head, but that's uh, if they could even just reschedule that midweek game to the weekend in between. Oh, that would be ideal. It's weird that they're one two week break of the entire season, other than maybe during Leagues Cup if they get eliminated, is the next to last game of the season. Like if you have, it's essentially like a bye week. It'd have been nice to have that bye earlier in the season when they're so beat up and injured, but. Hopefully they can find their form, go on a run. Uh, you never know. The hottest teams sometimes make runs and win win games. Right now they're ice cold, but they could get hot, I suppose. We'll see. Uh, a few more thoughts for me from the Austin game. I want to mention the terrible broadcast quality. For the first, what, like 15 minutes of it? It yeah. was English and Spanish playing at the same time. We switched over to the Austin FC radio broadcast instead. But I, don't, I just don't like the radio broadcast through Apple so far. The crowd, you can't really hear them very well. And then Austin only had one radio person, which was weird. It was just like one guy that doing all weird. the talking. I'm, I, Maybe I'm just spoiled and used to having a play-by-play and a color person. But it was a mess. Even when they got the audio fixed, the crowd, the audio was turned up way too loud for them or too low for the commentators because we couldn't hear the commentators consistently. Uh, credit to Austin's crowd, I guess, for being so loud. But even less loud crowds... It's been the same thing. So I think it's just a Apple production thing. If you'll remember, Sheena, this whole thing got thrown together really short notice in terms of building out the production. I think the video quality has been amazing, but the audio has left something to be de- desired with the MLS season pass.
1: I would agree with that. I feel like most of the issues that I have are... With the sound quality, it's never, I don't feel like it's ever been the video quality. It's always been the sound.
0: Yeah, the video's been great. Uh, I feel like we probably should mention Sporting did score a goal in this game. A good corner kick from Daniel Shalloway to Danny Rosero, who headed the goal in. Uh, Then after that, I don't think they took another legit corner the whole game. They had like a quick little short corner mess right after that, which I was like, why not just go back to Rosero? That worked so well a minute ago. And They honestly, for a team that was losing the game, they just had absolutely no sense of urgency out there. Never were pressing, they never really felt like they were going to win the game. I didn't write down any moments where I was like, oh yeah, they almost had it. It just, it was pretty disappointing. It was tired legs at the end of a week. Even though I think Vermees did do, we were crapping on some of his roster selection he did do some rotation in this game. He started Steven Afrifa and Marinos Janice, and he brought starters off the bench. I thought it was a good game plan, but maybe he should have waited till like the 60th minute to bring them on because they, they didn't seem to have it. The backups were hanging around just as much as anybody.
1: Yeah, I was happy to see there was at least some rotation and we got to see a little bit of Steven Afrifa. I don't feel like him and Janice were difference makers the game just felt like it was in slow motion it was also really hot in austin kind of like on wednesday in kansas city so i'm sure that played a part there was a lot of injuries with austin i mean they had to make two subs before the halftime due to injury and then we didn't even talk about the fact that uh rodeha got did I say Redoya. Right? Redoya. Okay. I was like, as I was okay. saying, that's like, it's okay. Everybody
0: says it different. I did ask yeah. PR and they said it's Redoya. So we're going to go with yeah. that. Yeah.
1: Okay. So Redoya got injured and we lost him halfway through the game.
0: Yeah. So I asked Peter about Redoya, actually. He said he, quote, took a whack in the calf. So I don't know oh. what that means or when, when, if he'll miss time or what, but he was replaced by. Felipe Gutierrez who made his debut
1: he was yeah you know it's interesting because in the first half Rodoya was grabbing his groin area so I'm surprised that it was a calf injury that ultimately got him out of the game
0: because he was the groin thing didn't he get like hit with like somebody kick him or a ball hit him yeah, there or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, so that was probably just. I mean, you know, a shot in the man zone just takes time to recover from.
1: <laughs> the man zone.
0: <laughs> you never, never heard it said that. No. I, I watch a lot of UFC and they'll, they'll say that sometimes.
1: Oh, so. oh my gosh. But yeah, I mean, overall, I felt like the team. There was no sense of urgency, and again, there was so many times where Jake Davis was open. I honestly feel like he was hustling the whole game, and I think Agreed. he's played he's played these three game stretches, so he can go for days. It turns out, but it, I just feel bad for him because who knows if he had just gotten the ball, what a difference he could have made. He was hustling the whole game, and it just it's such a missed opportunity. I feel like. The subs came in. They really didn't make an impact. I I mean, I felt like Polito was pretty non-existent. Same with Russell. I was glad they took Shallowy out. He was playing outside of that corner that led to the Danny Rosero goal. I don't feel like he had a really good game. I don't think Remy had a good game, and that one breaks my heart to say. Just overall, we look tired. We aren't playing with any passion, And it just didn't feel like they came out there to win. And they had, to me, it felt like plenty of opportunities in the second half because Austin wasn't really pressing very hard. Like they were also going in slow motion. So it felt like that's a game we should have at least been able to tie and we weren't playing like we wanted to tie. The other thing, sorry, I feel like I'm just going, I'm on a rambling bit, but I really felt it was unfair at the very end of the game that we only got five minutes of stoppage time, given there was the redoya injury. There was a hydration break. There was time wasting.
0: There was a Castellanos it, injury for like, is, no, not Castellanos. That's our team. Uh, I, can't, I can't think of the name of the guy for Cascante for Austin. He was down for the last two minutes of regulation. Yeah. So two minutes plus three minutes of hydration. That's five minutes alone, not counting. There were multiple yellow cards. There were like three sub windows that went by. Like you mentioned, time wasting. It, it was stark contrast noticing that compared to 10 minutes against Houston and that 10 minutes being the reason they didn't win because, you know, they scored in the 90th minute or whatever it was. So, pretty, pretty disappointing. I want to mention a couple of the, or comment on a couple of those things that you said. I did want to go back and talk a little bit more about Gutierrez for just a second. I thought that. Honestly, I thought he was going to play defensive midfielder. So I was a little surprised to see him further up the field. Maybe I shouldn't have been because that's where he played mostly when he was here last time around. But they put Remy back at D mid. Not that it ended up mattering because Austin wasn't pressing for a goal. Gutierrez had this great chance. I forget who forced the turnover. It might have been Russell. And then Russell passes it to him really quick. And then Polito is like wide open on the edge of the box and he's like pointing at his feet. And then Gutierrez just made like a safe backwards pass. And then Polito's like yelling at him afterwards. Like, I was open. I was wide open. Like it was just, I don't know if that's what he was saying because it was probably in Spanish. They both speak Spanish. But he was definitely gesturing like, hey, you should have got me the ball. Vermees actually talked a little bit about Gutierrez after the game saying he doesn't want to really judge him based on this one game because he he needs time to find chemistry with his teammates and to get kind of settled in and whatnot. But on the whole, uh, he thinks he's going to be a good contributor to the team. And I I could see it too. You see flashes of it. And the more we see of him as a sub, I think uh, that that should be for the best. Overall, though, um, no more thoughts on Austin SKC for me. All right, let's switch gears. Let's talk about some little soccer player named Lionel Messi. He uh, officially signed with Inter Miami, and Sheena had some thoughts. She was posting things on our Instagram, on Twitter, and I was like, hey, can you make sure that people know that's you with your terrible takes and not me? Do you want to share your terrible takes with the entire internet, with the podcast audience?
1: Yeah, I will. I don't feel like they're awful takes. I'm just I'm just being
0: sarcastic. Go ahead. I just don't agree.
1: uh, Here's my thoughts on this messy situation. It's great for him that he got a huge contract. Great for MLS because he's bringing exposure to the league um, on an international level. I definitely think that people who haven't been watching MLS will now be watching it, which is great. I think it's great exposure for Inner Miami, who is in dead last in the Eastern Conference. It'll be intriguing to see if they are able to do better and improve their record with Messi. So there's a lot of positives to this Messy situation. Well, you left all that
0: out of your tweets and Instagram Okay, well, posts, there's so.
1: only 140 characters <laughs> and only so much people are going to hold down their button to see my thoughts on stories. So that's there's positives. And I think I said that just not in as much detail. The negatives is that I'm already sick of hearing about Messi. And I think it's fair. I don't, I'm not a messy fan. I'm sure he's the greatest of all time for soccer or could be argued as one of them. I don't really care. He doesn't play for Sporting Kansas City. So I don't really personally care about this. And it's like we're getting him at the grocery store, him running a red light. They're dedicating him on MLS 360 or whatever apple is dedicating a whole hour to his debut on friday night in a cup game they're having 18 cameras like i just feel like i get it it's a very exciting thing but i don't know i'm just exhausted by all the coverage already And I just feel like he's going to get special treatment and it could potentially impact the games uh, that Inter-Miami is playing. It's going to ultimately affect the other teams and benefit Inter-Miami. So those are my thoughts. I know it's unpopular. I know it's maybe controversial because i'm not all in on messy i just don't care because he doesn't play for sporting
0: okay well that was much different than your your tweet slash instagram post that you were doing so i don't disagree with most That's of that not
1: true that you, i all,
0: all you said is you were over it you didn't mention i am the over it sheena don't scream the microphone's right in your mouth jesus i Christ.
1: am i'm passionate about this no i did say on twitter i thought it was great for MLS. I thought it was great for Inter-Miami. It just meant now MLS is Inter-Miami all the time. Like they're going to get more coverage than any other team and I'm exhausted by it. That's all I'm saying.
0: Okay. Well, I don't really disagree with any of that. I think you were like, I don't get it was what your big thing was. And I don't get it. But you just told me why you do get it because it's going to be huge for the league. Um, so let me give you a little background here on what's going on with Messi officially signing and then we can, we can chime in. So his compensation is going to be around 50 to 60 million per season. It's a mix of salary. Uh, he's getting equity in the team. So he'll be like a partial owner once he's no longer playing. He's getting a portion of the new Apple MLS season pass subscriptions that come in, you know, post him arriving. So he's getting you're getting a portion of the new Apple MLS season pass subscriptions that are coming in once he joins the league. Uh, He's getting a portion of like the Adidas and Fanatic sales. If you've ever been to the MLSsoccer.com store, it's like run by Fanatics. So he's I I think that's why we don't know exactly what the money is going to be. But it's it's a big number. Uh, Now, you mentioned that he's bringing exposure I didn't even realize how big the exposure was. Did you know he's the sec? Well, you do know because I told you last night. He's the second most followed in person on all of Instagram. He has 478 million followers, second only to Ronaldo, who supposedly almost came to Sporting KC in the offseason at 595 million. Kind of crazy. Inter-Miami is now the fifth most followed U.S. sports teams. All the other top 10 teams are all NBA teams. It's pretty wild. Honestly, the Cavaliers were super high, which I have to think was because of LeBron being on the team. At one point, even though they're like the fifth most popular one, I think they had something like eight or nine million followers. So it's like not even a fraction of what's following Messi on his. Instagram account. But another kind of aspect of this whole thing is Inter Miami is adding 3,000 new seats to their stadium before the debut game on Friday. So the game is coming up this Friday. They're going to play Cruz Azul in the League's Cup. So his first game won't even be an MLS game. They'll be playing a Liga Emeki's team, Cruz Azul, 7 p.m., Friday, July 21st. Now, my thing is, there is just a golden opportunity here for MLS to take advantage of this. There is a book out there written by the late Grant Wall about the Beckham experiment when he came, how it changed the league, right? How it pushed the league forward, the designated player rule. And this has the potential to be so much bigger than that. And I get it. It is going to be exhausting, right? They have like a show they're doing on Sunday night, which by the time you're listening to this, the, the show will probably have already happened. But they are going to like do an announcement of Messi coming out. They have like an hour, another hour dedicated to that. She just shaking her head in anger over it. Um, I I did say I'm probably going to watch some Miami games and I wouldn't have watched before because they're literally the worst team in the Eastern Conference. So they they're not good. It'll be interesting to see if you can pull them out. It'll be intriguing to see him play in the US Open Cup because they're still alive in the US Open Cup. So people have been making jokes there's this expression in English soccer where it's like sure 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 but can you win on a cold rainy night against Stoke like in Stoke Stoke City is a team in the Premier League and what's the equivalent of that is going to be like can Messi win a US Open Cup game against a second or third division team in a stadium that holds like 3000 people it'll be intriguing to see how that all plays out do they move any games that are going to happen in the US Open Cup into bigger stadiums do does Do they look to not play in the Fort Lauderdale Stadium, which is going to have 21,000 seats when it's all said and done? Are they missing a chance by not playing at, what is it, the Miami Dolphins Stadium? I don't even know what it's called anymore. It doesn't matter what it's called, but it's much bigger. So he's bringing attention. I think it's going to be good for the league. The first U.S. Open Cup game isn't in a bad stadium. It's actually against Cincinnati. So it might be the first and last U.S. Open Cup game that Messi has to play in because Cincinnati is the best team in the league, as we mentioned before. And they're hosting and they have a very beautiful, nice stadium. So I imagine those tickets are pretty pricey. Right now the tickets at the Miami games are averaging about $300 a seat, which is kind of crazy. I I'm excited. I think it's good. Like I don't know if it means Miami's going to win, but yeah. Is he going to get some calls? Yeah, he's a superstar. It's like in the NBA where LeBron gets calls or, you know, Kevin Durant gets a call or whoever it might be. It happens. It's it's part of sports. It doesn't make it right, but it happens.
1: The other part we haven't discussed is that has he ever played really in humidity? I'm pretty sure Miami is a humid place and a lot of the cities that um, he could be playing in MLS are pretty humid. So that could be an interesting plot line to see how he does, because it seems like a lot of the players from who are international sometimes struggle with the heat.
0: Yeah, and the travel of the US that a lot of uh, I think MLS has a reputation around the world of being a quote, retirement league, Oh, old players come here at the end of their career to cash in. And then pretty consistently, you'll hear guys saying it's a tough league to play in. The travel is wild. All you have to do is look at a picture of the United States laid over the top of Europe it's huge. It's massive. And you're sometimes going coast to coast to play games. Miami doesn't have a ton of that in their schedule, though they do have a road game at LAFC on September 3rd but most of their games are going to be on the east coast. Uh, they host Sporting in Kansas City, by the way, on the east coast September 9th. Uh, Messi probably won't be in that game because that's an international break, but let's little bit of travel. They really only have the one trip across the country though, depending on, you know, playoffs and whatever. But right now they're not in the playoffs because, you know, they're bad at soccer. So, I don't know if Messi is enough to turn their whole season around. Obviously, it's not going to just be messy. I don't know if you've heard, but Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba, players he played with at Barcelona before, might be joining him. And they might be, I mean, they literally got in trouble for breaking rules on getting too many designated players before. So I don't know how they fit all these guys on non-DP contracts. I'm hearing Alba's not going to be a DP. But they did save money and space for this move to happen, which is probably why their team is so bad. But right now they're 12 points out of the last playoff spot. They do have a couple of games in hand though. So they're kind of in a little bit of a different situation than sporting. Kind of smart, actually. They stacked the back of their schedule. So now that they have Messi, they have more games to play, more tickets they can sell. What I'm going to laugh about is if like he hasn't even practiced with the team yet and he's playing on Friday, he's definitely not going to start, right? Like, is he going to be able to start? And even if he does, like he's not gonna be able to play the whole game or if he comes off the bench, I'll I'll be super amused if it's like oh he picks up a slight hamstring strain in practice and he and he can't play on Friday after all this build up so but yeah I don't want him to get hurt obviously but no, I think that not. there's a I mean he's just not going to play in all these games right they have a pretty congested schedule down the down the stretch they have twelve games to go compared to Sporting having nine so and lots those, of congestion
1: there's those international games so like the Sporting game he probably won't even be there for so it makes me think like can they even Like, if they weren't doing good when he wasn't on the team yet, can – if he's not playing in the remaining games of this season can they even get to a playoff spot like it just it feels like a bad strategy to have your whole team based around one person that's so much pressure for him and when that
0: one person is maybe the best player in the world I don't know if he's still the best player in the world you got guys like Kylian Mbappe and whatnot floating around out there but you know for his age he's still incredible I mean he just won the World Cup so but yeah you're right it's it's not a it'll be a steep hill to climb but with so many teams getting into the playoffs there's always the possibility just like sporting aren't out of it miami aren't out of it yet
1: i'll also say this and this is based off of what little i know about messi but i'm surprised that he has as many instagram followers as he's as he does because i feel like he might be a very boring person i don't know he does
0: seem a little boring doesn't he he seems very like like ronaldo is so out there and is always saying things and honestly being controversial and whatnot And Messi just kind of seems like he keeps himself. He keeps quiet. I did see a story about how he'd been taking lessons for English for a couple of years. So I've never heard him speak in English. It'll be interesting to see if he's picked up enough English to talk to uh, American media. But I imagine most things will be done to accommodate him and they'll be in Spanish.
1: That would make sense. I, I get the intrigue. I just am exhausted by all the future coverage. It's not that like I want him to do bad or anything like that. I just, it's going to be the messy show all the time on MLS, like their channel. And they're, you know, they're going to cut in every time he scores, they'll cut in. To oh,
0: every time you like nutmeg somebody, they're going to yeah, cut in and show a highlight. So,
1: <laughs> And maybe this is how it was when David Beckham was in the league. I wasn't watching. It's exciting for MLS, but I can already be fatigued by it
0: yeah that's fair all right let's go crawling y'all digital crawl time uh little news from the sporting kc houston dynamo game from last weekend uh, forward sebastian ferreira i think i was saying Fajeda. i watch a lot of ufc as i mentioned before and fajita is how you pronounce that name in portuguese and a lot of these ufc guys are from brazil anyways sebastian ferreira was suspended for his brutal assault on kadi kenda that somehow only got a yellow card so good to see that was the case. Uh, oh, you know, on a, on a kind of a related note, I mentioned Gotti Kinda got fined for simulation in the, the game against RSL. Uh, Jake Davis got a yellow card and literally made no contact with the Austin player uh, in last night's game. So. They rescinded Chicho Arango's yellow because there was no contact in the game the other day. Hopefully they'll rescind Jake Davis's yellow and maybe get a fine for simulation on uh, whatever the Reyes, I think is the awesome player's name. Anyways, I digress. The U.S. men's national team were eliminated from the Gold Cup by Panama. That also happened Wednesday night when Sporting were busy blowing a lead against RSL. Panama had two goals correctly taken away for offside. The U.S. MNT, though, they had a lot of chances, did not get them finished. Uh, There was actually no goal scored until extra time Panama on the 99th and then Jesus Ferreira for Dallas equalized for Dallas and the U.S. equalized in the 150th or 150th, 105th minute. There's not 150 minutes. That would be insane. Then he went on to miss his penalty kick. Matt Turner did save a penalty, which made it like put put it back on level terms. But then Christian Roldan missed the sixth kick. And the U.S. were bounced by Panama. Panama will play Mexico, who defeated Jamaica 3-0 in the Gold Cup Finals. So, possibility that we have a team that's never won before. Panama could win the Gold Cup. So far, only the U.S. and Mexico, as well as Canada, one time have won the gold cup and then the last thing i have here is kansas city current forward mimi larson got engaged the other day so congrats to mimi sheena anything you want to add before we go over the schedule what's coming up next
1: i've got nothing
0: all right so the upcoming games i already mentioned miami and messi debut on friday the 7 p.m mls season pass but an hour later so i'm definitely flipping away from messi is the women's world cup uh u.s will make their first game against vietnam that's at 8 p.m. on Friday. That's actually really good time to watch a game, considering this thing is halfway around the world. So it must be happening in the morning over there. Uh, then the Kansas City Current return to action on Saturday. They host the Houston Dash. Uh, June, I'm sorry, June, July 22nd, 7 p.m. SKC two are at North Texas SC. That's Dallas's affiliate. Also. Uh, half an hour later there. So those games are overlapping. That'll make it hard to watch them both. And then Sporting KC will start their Leagues Cup journey at FC Cincinnati on Sunday, July 23rd at 6.30 p.m. Sheena, anything else before we say goodbye to the people?
1: Yeah, I was going to just make one comment about Messi's debut conflicting with the Women's World Cup. I know that like MLS came up with the schedule way before Messi signed, but... It just feels like now you're having soccer fans having to choose between Messi and a Women's World Cup in Team USA, and I just feel like that's really unfair.
0: Do the right thing. Watch the first half of the Miami game and then flip over and watch the U.S. women's national team because who cares? Miami's terrible.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to watch the Miami game. I could care less, but I'll be rooting. Uh, what? I did team not get USA. that vibe at all
0: from this episode. Okay. Your
1: yeah, story. <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: All right. So y'all, if you made it this far, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. That makes it the easiest. It pops up in your feed, just in case you're not reading my stories over on KC Soccer Journal. Uh, tell your friends to listen to. Just search for The Glory KC wherever you get a podcast. You can also follow us on social media at ForTheGloryKC, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, that new thing, Threads. Oh, you can email us questions at ForTheGloryKC at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayFor90. And here's Christian Leo playing us out with Right It Like You Mean It. Take care, everybody. Bye.